welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are talking about Heartstopper by Alice Oseman. But before we get into the book, as usual, Corinne, what are you obsessing with this week? I'm really excited to find out because this is a complete surprise to me. I know. I Someone didn't fill out the notes and that person <laughs> was me. So I have a couple of things that I have uh, read in the last couple weeks that I have been really into. It's kind of in a bit of a slump. And then I got pulled out of it again, which is always like a nice feeling. Um, the book that I, that kind of got me out of it was kind of a surprise and that I didn't think that it would suck me in like it did, but it was called the no show by Beth O'Leary. Beth O'Leary is probably best known for the flat chair, which was her debut novel came out in 2019. It's just a really lovely kind of quirky, a love story. And since then her books have veered much more romantic fiction versus romance. I think the flat chair definitely can be considered a romance, even though it does kind of deal in some heavier subject matters as well, but she has kind of veered away from that in her two books after that. That said, I, I loved her second book, uh, which is called the switch, but her third book, the road trip, which came out last year was a real big disappointment to me. So I kind of went into the no-show with no expectations whatsoever. And I'd kind of heard that it was one where you shouldn't really like even read much of the synopsis. You just kind of like dive into it. And so I won't tell you a ton about what it's about, uh, but I think you should just like dive into it. It really totally surprised me in terms of how this intricately woven plot ultimately come to get, came together. It features three different women's POVs throughout and how they ultimately came together. was just like beautiful and said a lot of really interesting and heart heartbreaking and heartwarming things. And it just, it had all the elements of what I liked in some of her previous books in a totally different way. So I'd say it's definitely romantic fiction versus a romance, but it was just a lovely surprise. I think her writing is is so, so good. Uh, And so it was just, it was, it was just lovely. And I really liked it a lot. So that was a good surprise for me. And again, like it just kind of made me obsessed and then made me want to read more things and get obsessed with them. Yeah. Uh, and that was fitting because, and I knew that this would pull me out of the slump if I didn't get pulled out before, um, which was the long game by Rachel Reed, uh, earlier this year, I, spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, <laughs> um, heated rivalry, which was new to me, not new to, uh, tons of fans on the internet who really made a sequel for those characters possible. Um, so heated rivalry was a story of two NHL hockey players who were rivals and end up falling in love with each other. Um, the book ends somewhat resolved, somewhat not resolved. And then this is the sequel, um, about the latter part of their relationship, the more recent part of their relationship. It's just like everything that I wanted. Like, it's just, it's swooning and it's, it's pining. And it's like one of those things, like we love a pining, you and I, like Mm -hmm. we just really do. But it's like one of those things, like when you're, you're with a person and like you love each other, but like for reasons, it's still, you're still pining. Okay. So I was worried. Cause I was like, it's, it's really hard to like take an established couple that you've already, mm-hmm. you've, you've had their big moments, their big, uh, declarations. You've had like their whole, uh, developed love story or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to take a couple like that and just kind of continue it without injecting unnecessary drama. And in that just kind of yeah. feels really manufactured. So, I mean, not that I 
didn't have faith in this book. Um, but because I, I loved the first one so much, but it is really nice to hear that it's yeah. everything that we want. Yeah. And I don't want to like spoil like how the first one ends, but like there's definitely unresolved conflict, yeah. even though it's a happy ending. Um, there's still things that these Stuff they have, to deal, have to deal with. And so that adds a lot of tension in a really natural way. And there's a lot of different roadblocks um, at them. And like, was it a perfect book? No. Was it perfect for me? Yes. Like, it's just, I had like such a big mm-hmm. smile on my face. Like I cried a couple of times. Like it's just, I just loved everything about it. So if you haven't had a chance to read Heated Rivalry, now is your time. Um, I kind of do wish I had read the number five book in that series. So I should have said, these are technically part of this series called Game Changers. It's all these gay hockey romance books. I've only ever read Heated Rivalry and Not a Long Game, which are number two and six in the series. And there was like one that I was maybe interested in going back in. And the characters do kind of interweave, but I was kind of like, no, I just want to stay with these two who I love so much. Mm -hmm. But there was a, um, a couple who was kind of teased throughout the long game uh, who as I'm reading, I'm like, Ooh, these two, this would be a great book. And it turns out they were number five and I definitely am going to go back and reread it now. I wouldn't recommend necessarily, like if you're reading it for the first time, like I would not be able to stop and read a different couple knowing like the sequel for Shane and Ilya's story was like readily available to me, Yeah, but I definitely want to go back and read it. And it's <laughs> apparently it was very, very good. Um, but it kind of runs parallel to the events of book six he did a uh, oh, okay. long game so I bought it that's gonna be next <laughs> for me okay so for me do you recommend I read book five before book six no okay no honestly there's a couple of plot things like I was reading reviews of the long game and they're like oh yeah now this big event happened and we get to see it from their perspective their perspective because we already knew about it from book five so like I, you know, me, I like to read books in order if I can, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I don't know. Maybe I'll feel differently when I go back to read five, but I don't think I will. I just like wanted to know what happened with Shane and Ilya yeah. so much. Yeah. So it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Feelings. I love them. Um, how about you? What are you into? Oh, uh, well, I've been in a huge reading slump lately. Um, yeah. Corinne knows this because I messaged the group chat at one point being like, I don't think I'm ever going to read a book ever again. That's it was very dramatic. dramatic that I feel about <laughs> this reading slump. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, I think I'm just kind of in a mood and I think yeah. that it actually informs some of my opinions that we're going to talk about later, but, um, just, you know, I've, I've not been in a, in a good mental space for things. Yeah. So what I have been able to do is uh, watch a couple of shows, well, really one show, and then start rewatching another one. So the first one was Our Flag Means Death, um, which is the the Taika show, and Restarby, if you've ever watched uh, like Flight of the Concords or anything. It is uh, kind of a whimsical retelling of of like a, a real historical figure, which is Steed Bonnet, um, who is known as the Gentleman Pirate, and... Um, he was like this well-born, like well-to-do guy that sort of just abandoned his family to go uh, adventuring on the high seas, just wanted to be a pirate. And he interacts with Blackbeard, who is played by Taika. And um, it 
is in no way really very similar to the next show I'm going to talk about, <laughs> but it did kind of inspire me to rewatch this next show I'm going to talk about because it is pirate themed and uh, there's a lot of gay shit happening, which is, you know, what I'm here for. So um, I started a Black Sails rewatch and I'm really excited to talk about this actually because I've, I don't think I've ever gotten a chance to talk about Black Sails on yeah. this podcast because I had already seen it a couple of times, but um Black Sails is, uh, it essentially functions as a prequel to Treasure Island. So we know like Long John Silver, right? And then there's that, that whole treasure that they are looking for in Treasure Island, the, the titular the treasure. Titular Island, treasure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the titular treasure. So, and there are references to characters like Captain uh, Flint in Treasure Island that we get to see in Black Sails. And we get to see like um, the, the like the OG Long John Silver story, um, how he came to be, how his whole legend kind of built around him and uh, Captain Flint. And it is the story of like the acquiring of that treasure island treasure. But it's really cool because it's sort of, um, it is like, uh, it functions as this prequel to Treasure Island, but it also includes in the story real historical pirates from this golden age of piracy. So you're getting like Charles Vane, you're getting Blackbeard, you're getting Jack Rackham, who's, you know, Calico Jack, you're getting Anne Bonny. Um, it is, I don't know if like anybody's really familiar with the concept of like straight baiting. The show is, it wrote the blueprint on straight baiting. Um, you go in thinking that it's like this super cool, violent Game of Thrones level show. Uh, all this drama, all this like sexiness happening, but really the shit is gay as fuck. Um, it's really good. Um, and in a show where like everybody is just super morally gray, like nobody is like on any one side of anything. Everybody's kind of just out for themselves. The real bad guy is British imperialism and we love to see it. Yeah. So it is, it's just honestly, I could see how if you've only seen like the first few episodes or even the first whole season, first season, um, how you might think it's one thing. It's not just keep going. Um, I recommend it to everybody. It is such an underrated show. It flew under the radar for so many years, but it deserves so much love. It's been on my list for so long because the internet community in which Tasia and I met and became friends loves black sales, mm -hmm. like just really loves it. And I, just never have had time. And I don't know why, like in 2020, where there was like not a lot of things going on, like why I didn't watch this show, but yeah. I like everything that you're saying about it. And I don't really feel inclined to watch it now more than ever, especially with that sales pitch. Yeah. Actually, though, it's like really funny that your obsessions are both pirate themes this week because, <laughs> um, we are talking about the Heartstopper show as well as the corresponding chapters slash volumes of the um, book slash web comic here today. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the TV show adaptation was Nick watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. I, <laughs> I specifically mentioned, or no, I did I miss? No, I added it. He texted oh, me. Never mind. Yeah, about, um, I did text you, huh? Yeah. The, uh, Orlando Bloom and Pirates of the Caribbean to bisexuality pipeline. Um, <laughs> so I love, I love that true that bisexual rep there. I'm okay. I'm really gonna try to find. I know it's somewhere on my phone. I have 
a photo of me from recently, like in the last couple of years, I think I've sent it to you before maybe of, of, of me with my Orlando Bloom as Will Turner, Turner pillow. I think you did send that to me (laughs) because I, um, like Nick had a huge, uh, thing for Pirates of the Caribbean. Like his mom says, uh, Oh, you used to watch this all the time. Like I could say all the words, like that was me in high school when this movie came out. Like I watched it so much, but I particularly loved Orlando Bloom. Like the Legolas to, to Will Turner comparison is just like everything that I love in the world mm-hmm. like combined. Um, so I was like dying when he was just like, Oh, Orlando and Kira Knightley are hot. Like that reckon that realization was pretty great. Uh, and so that was a very good segue you teed up for us <laughs> there, Asia. So yeah, let's, let's talk about Christopher. So, um, this is probably going to end up being more of like a show podcast than the, the yeah. books, even though we have read the books in slash one comics. Like, are you caught up? Like, where it's I don't is? know. I don't think so. Okay. Cause it started, uh, it was like a six month hiatus and it started updating again, like this past January and it's been on its regular, like first 11th, 21st of the month. I have so. no idea where I stopped. I think I'm going to have to just continue from where I am now, which is volume two and just like do, do a big reread, which is fine. I mean, there like, were things hardships. in the world. Come on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah. So if you don't know, and you're just listening to this cold Heartstopper started off as a web comic back in 2016, I believe, and has been updating pretty regularly since then in like 2019, maybe they started printing the, the comic in print form and print value form, graphic novel form. And so there are now, I think four volumes out in the U S it's been published in the UK first. Um, Cause that's where Alice Osman, the creator is from. And that's where her publisher is, but, um, it is, uh, still tracking along. And, uh, so if you want more Nick and Charlie, it's there for you out in the world. There have also been, um, some spinoff stories, like all of her books are, I think, pretty much in the Heartstopper universe. There's a book about um, Nick's Tori, right? sister, Tori. There's a short story called Nick and Charlie, which is like set um, later in high school, like right when Nick's about to graduate and go away to university. So there's more to this world beyond just the comic itself, but the comic is just a true delight. Um, and yeah, as we said, we've been following your it along for a while now. And so we're super excited to see that a TV show is coming and it feels like a really long time ago that it was announced. When was it announced? Because I feel like I have this memory of being in the bathroom at my old, old job when I heard about this. And that, I mean, the last time I worked there was in, yeah, I guess it would have been 2019. So it's funny because I was like looking back through the comic after like I watched the show. I was just um, flipping through Tapas, which is one of the apps you can access it on. And I saw the initial like her initial announcements from like a long time ago saying that, like, oh, it was optioned by Netflix and, you know, we're in development, et cetera, et cetera. So it has been in the pipeline for a long time. And then I did go back and look at like the casting announcements. So like the casting announcements came out and they started filming like pretty much a year before it came out. So yeah, it's been a long time coming and this is just really so beloved 
by so many people for so many reasons. And so we're excited to talk about it. Um, that said, like a lot of the meat of the story, I feel like is still to come in later volumes slash episodes. I mean, not that like nothing happens, but they have taken volumes one and two of the books which are chapters one, two, and three of the web comic. And it's, that's what the first season is. The, the uh, web comic currently is on chapter seven. So we're like, you know, not even halfway through their story at this point. And chapter one in the comic is very, very short. So, you know, we're still very early on. And I kind of forgot how, I don't want to say like simplistic it was, because obviously like we're going through some like, big stuff here, you know, coming mm-hmm. to terms with your sexuality, coming out, bullying, et cetera. But compared to like the journey ahead of these two, um, it's, it's, it felt like when I went back to read them before watching the show, I was like, oh, wow. Like it just goes by so fast. Yeah, it's like it goes by you're flipping so pages at such a pace. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why like, it makes so much more sense to really make this episode more about the show. Mm-hmm. Because that's easier to dissect in terms of like narrative yeah. arcs or whatever, because there yeah. is just really, we're barely chipping the iceberg of, of the narrative here. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's like a lot more buildup, I think. And that was something I was kind of surprised on, like looking at the episode titles when they released them, like a week before the show came out, um, episode three was kiss. And that's where they kiss at the party at the end. And that's how chapter two ends. That's how volume one ends is the kiss. So it was kind of, I don't want to say rushed, but like you got to luxuriate in it a little bit more in the comic. But again, that's not like really plot. It's just like looking at these like beautiful drawings of these two characters, like being smitten with each other for a really long time. And I get how you have to like move things along in the show. Um, But yeah, so I guess we can talk about them both really in tandem because one of the other things that's super interesting about the adaptation is that Alice Oseman, the creator of the comic, wrote the entire script for the show, Mm -hmm. every episode, which props to her. She's like 26, maybe like, I don't want to talk about it, killing it (laughs) here. Um, But yeah, it's great that she got to do that as a result. It's like one of the more faithful adaptations Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Um, so it really is like, you can't like even parse it out, especially like the first three episodes. It's like scene for scene, the comic, which I don't think is a bad thing. And I think like, I would be interested to talk to people who never read the comics or like maybe hadn't read the comics in a while. Well, I guess you, I read the, I reread them right before I watched Mm -hmm. when you watched it. Cause you reread it after you watched, were you like, this is identical. Like, did you have that there? I mean, it had been years since I read that, like the beginning of that story. So mm-hmm. I think there were a couple of points where I was like, this feels like super, super accurate mm-hmm. um, without necessarily remembering exact dialogue. But then after I finished watching it and then I read through it again, I was like, oh no, this is <laughs> exact dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was kind of shocking at first, but then it's like, okay, well, you have a great story here. Like, let's tell it. And one of the things I was saying to you off air is like in the comic, obviously like there's fewer written words, like it's art. And I feel like in a lot of ways, the show 
like the script is also kind of like simplistic. Like it's not like we've got big, long speeches, obviously, because it's Mm. being lifted directly from the comic. But I thought it gave like the actors like more space to kind of play around with things. You get more like you got a lot of like the little looks and stuff that you get a lot of in the comic. Like you can Mm. feel the chemistry between Nick and Charlie jumping off the page when you read the comic. Yeah. Well, cause so much of it is not even like dialogue boxes. It's yeah. just, it, there's just pages and pages yeah. of boxes of, of just bare glances yeah. at each other. So yeah. um, I didn't feel like when I was watching it, I didn't feel like I was missing anything in terms of their relationship development. I didn't feel like it was rushed, mm-hmm. even though now that you mention it, like having that kiss, like right in the beginning, the end of volume one, when this show is only covering volume one and two, having that be the end of like episode three it seems wild seems wild to do that but I yeah I didn't feel like I missed anything in terms of their relationship development no and I think they definitely like they did a heck of a job I think casting both of these and we can talk a little bit more specifically about them but I thought that like a they look like the the characters Mm -hmm. in the comic like alarmingly so yeah b they're both really good um I think Joe Locke who plays Charlie is his first ever role and mm-hmm. I thought he was just so charming and I thought they were great together. And so it's like, you don't need to like really have a lot of buildup when they kind of just like click mm-hmm. immediately, which was great. I mean, obviously that's your biggest concern in like a romantic of course, yeah. story like this. Um, I do think that after that episode, like into volume two is where we get more of the changes. So like, and it's more of the meat of the plot. It's, it's, more of Nick starting to question what what happened here. Like, wow, like I kissed Charlie and I liked it. Like, what mm-hmm. what do I do with this? So I felt like they kind of expanded that in a way that really worked. It just felt like there was more. Like in retrospect, going back and reading, it's like Nick kind of processes it pretty quickly. And like relatively mm-hmm. easily, he felt a little bit more not like conflicted by it, but like, shocked by it and like struggled with it more yeah in the show well I which think I didn't mind what I yeah exactly what I noticed was that um in the comic he really only has like there's like one or two boxes that um show him like googling things right in the show it's like a whole sequence where yeah. he's like you know like uh, how do you know if you're gay? How, like, what does this mean? What does this Watching mean? Watching those what, YouTube what videos. Mean? Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a very small, like a box or two in the graphic novel. And in the show, it's a whole like kind of, um, montage sequence almost that, um, I thought the way that they stretched that out was really smart because it was nice to see him like really struggle with it. Not kind of like, yeah. Oh, I'm ready to show up and like acknowledge these things about myself now after yeah. just like a cursory search on the internet. Yeah. And I don't want to say like the comic is, was not as like realistic because mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I love about the comic is how realistic I feel it is to, to, to kids, particularly of this age. And and also what I love about it is how inclusive it is. And it kind of almost, I don't want to say takes that for granted, but like, I think it's just such a natural part of the comic world that like it didn't need to have Nick question it as much, but it felt like the right decision to make in a television show mm-hmm. where someone might be coming into this fresh and we can never have enough positive 
depictions of of things like this of kids processing what it's like to yeah to come to terms with their sexuality and I thought the show did that great and I think this is when I was like really impressed with what's his name Pete Young is that his name no that's Jasper from his name's also <laughs> Kit though Kit Connor Kit Connor yeah okay listen they're gonna name all my favorite queer boys Kit and they're going to be in shows. I'm going to get confused. Um, but that's when I really got, um, was really impressed with Kit Connor was like his like emotion and processing those scenes. I thought was like, Oh, it floored me. He was so good. Yeah. Um, so I really liked, I liked that expansion of things. And then I really liked the expansion of like related to that we'll talk about Tao and Al specifically in a minute, but like, I really liked how they kind of expanded how to really be concerned about what it meant for Charlie to like a boy like Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, ultimately there are some feelings of jealousy there that he's feels threatened. Like his friendship is, is changing because his friend is in a relationship now, but I really thought the show did a great job of depicting lad culture, which I heard that term for the first time in discussions of normal people. Like it's kind of, it's Ireland, not England in normal people, but there's kind of a similar thing going on with Connell in normal people in terms of like how he treats Marianne is very much a product of the community of like toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that he's grown up in. And I read a lot of articles about like, that's what boy schools are like in Ireland. Like that is what groups of like boy athletes are like in Ireland. It felt very similar in how they depicted that here. And it made a lot of sense. Like you could see the cultural divide more. And I, I find find that fascinating. And I don't know if it's necessarily specific, like in England or like UK thing. I also went to an all girls high school. So like my high school knowledge is like skewed, (laughs) but I thought that they did a really good job of like showing just how different it was in a way how how different they were and like it felt very like true to what like that culture would be like which is different than like even slightly different than American high school like jock culture yeah um so that was like a change I just I just really felt like enriched the show because like you saw how different it was and like the pressures that Nick felt like to act certain ways Right. And I think it, it better informs Tao's reactions to Charlie's feelings for Nick, because there is like, there's obviously a ton of like protective feelings there Mm -hmm. because yeah, like the, the toxic masculinity, like you said about that loud culture, but also, you know, the jealousy, but, um, you totally understand why he's very protective of it because you look at who Nick surrounds himself with. Yeah. And, um, I feel like in, in the comic, it feels more like Nick is like, well, fuck these guys. Yeah. I don't care about what they think. Yeah. Um, and in the show, there's more of a struggle there too. Yeah. Nick. Like he yeah. seems closer to those guys than he was yeah. in the comic and, and kind of wanting to hold on to those relationships a little bit longer than he did in the comic, which it makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think I want, you know, 
one of the things too, that I love about the fact that Alice wrote the show is that it's like, it's still canon. Like it's all still the same mm-hmm. to me. And it's maybe an expansion of something. I was gonna say, that, it feels like she can expand on something. Yeah. That she's like, Oh, like, yeah. you know, how many of us have written something and then wish we could go yeah. back and be like, Oh, I just want to tweak this or that. Like Absolutely. she got, she got the chance to good for her. And, and like, she like set her thesis statement out like so clearly, like there's the line in the comic and in the show where Nick's mom says, you know, you, you're so much like yourself, more like yourself when you're with Charlie mm-hmm. than with your other friends. And like, that's a passing line in the comic. And I felt like that that was so much more of Nick's character yeah. in the show. Mm-hmm. And like, so obviously it was always there, but you know, we are what's math six plus years out of when she originally wrote some of this stuff. And so she can build on that more. And I thought that that was a really valuable addition because it, again, it felt like a more um, nuanced and like informed and real. Yeah. I I was hesitant to use the word realistic before, but it felt like more realistic than like going back and reading the book. kind of like, yes, like check the box, kiss the boy. Mm-hmm. fuck you friends move on like, <laughs> like it felt like they were it felt more human yeah and process through some of those things so I I really uh I like that man Nick like and I and I don't I don't think we're gonna spoil like a ton of stuff that's coming ahead in the comics there's a ton of um I don't want to say like it has to be like struggles because I think one of the best things about the comic and the show is like how joyful it is. And it's not like all about like the traumatic gay experience. It's so hopeful. Um, but like the characters go through their own internal struggles there. And unfortunately there are more of that. There's more of that head for Charlie. So we didn't get to see as much of that here. We know he has this history of bullying, but like, it was nice to kind of see, Nick fleshed out a little bit more and kind of give him more to do as a character and more to chew on in a way that still felt true to the source material mm-hmm. um, and in true life. So I was impressed with that element of it. Yeah. What else do we want to talk about? I guess um, we can't talk about Charlie. What did you think of Charlie overall in the, sh- in the show? a loaded question. I, I mean, this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Um, no, I, I do overall. I like, I, I think I'm with you. I do like Nick, um, as a performance and, and as a, a character a little bit more, I guess, in the show. Um, Charlie, I just, I have so much love for him in the comic and it's just, it's hard to translate something you feel so attached to, you know, but I, I do think he did a really good job um, really any quibbles I have about it are like so minor and yeah. just insignificant that I don't even want to mention them. Cause it's just like, you know, yeah. I feel like he smiles too much in every scene and I'm like, that's a stupid, <laughs> that's yeah, a stupid no, complaint to no, have. I, no, but I like it what you're saying a little bit. Like, and so I'm going to credit the source here, which is our friend, Jossie, friend of the pod, Jossie, who used the word savvy. She's like comics. It, comic Charlie feels a little bit more savvy. And I think what, um, and I think that I kind of nails it for me. I'm putting it. Yeah. Um, so like, I feel it. And I think I love show Charlie too, because he was just kind of like unbridled joy, like Mm -hmm. so much. And, and, and I feel like we got a little, there's a little more depth 
to Charlie in the comics. And I know, again, as I said, he's got a lot more ahead of him. So we've got more story for him to tell. And he's, he's not the one who's, who's super um, struggling here in the same way Nick is like this season felt very much like focused on Nick. I, I did like how they expanded the Ben stuff and like that's in the comic too, but like how much it would affect Charlie for Nick to not want to come out and keep it a secret, even though it's vastly different. Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt that like, yeah, I was just like a little bit more and like, God forbid, I think someone who is a 14, 15 year old character be too young, (laughs) but like, that's how it felt, which is like, fine. That's who it should be. This this show is not meant for me at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what I mean about like my quibbles feel very stupid for lack of a better word is like, like these little complaints, um, that really don't add up to my, or like don't add up to much in like individually, but overall it kind of, it does sort of change his character just enough that I'm like, I do like the savvier, uh, Charlie a little bit better. Um, and one of the things too, I noticed in my reread is like, Charlie feels like a bit of a mess in a lot of ways. And he does come across very young in the comic. One of my mm-hmm. favorite recurring things in the comic, and I did this in the show, is because they like when they act like idiots and they're like, why are we like this? And they're like, ha ha ha. I'm like, that just feels so teenager to me, like awkward, like trying to process like the weird things you're feeling. It's just, it's so perfect. But like the comic also shows you how smart Charlie is. Like at one point there's one image of like a, a like a bulletin board in the hallway and it has like a list of honor students and Charlie's mm-hmm. on it. Like he's super capable. He's super smart. He's like pretty good at rugby. Once he starts like learning the rules, like he's yeah. good at playing the drums. Like he's really good at a lot of things and he like still is, but it felt like it didn't like highlight those aspects of him enough. And I think that's it a really important me, part of like, him. Yeah. It felt to me like they made him just a little bit more pitiful for lack of a better word. I don't yeah. think that Charlie was pitiful in the show, but I do think he was just slightly weaker. I, I don't like any of these words I'm yeah, using. No, I get but- what you're, I get what you're saying though. Like he just felt like he wasn't as nuanced and he felt mm-hmm. like a little bit just like I liked that he was an archetype more. Yeah, exactly. And I liked the way that Nick's friends in the comic were like, oh, you're friends with Charlie. He's like super popular. Yeah. Like they talk about Charlie as being good at rugby, as yeah. being really popular, acknowledging that he has been bullied in yeah. the past, but now he's a very yeah. well-liked person. Yeah. And so it felt like that they kind of knocked him down a few pegs in the show. Yeah. Which fine, yeah. but it, it, he doesn't need you know, to be victimized in that way yeah, because yeah. what I think is really interesting. And again, you know, we won't like spoil the trajectory of Charlie's journey through the comics, but like he has his own issues. And I, what I really liked actually, this is a, a show edition is the scene between Nick and Tao in the last episode where Tao is like, he ever since I've known him, he he's felt the need to apologize for his own existence. And that's a big part of what Charlie's issue is he is and in the comics he you can you know he's so great at so many things he's so funny he has all these friends he's very good at a lot of things but it's his own internal demons for lack of a better word that bring him down Mm -hmm. in the show it did feel like circumstances brought him down yeah yeah so um I guess that and it so I'm okay with saying that it's like not super quibble because I feel like we just processed it out to the point yeah. where there's like, it, it is like a, enough of a change. I think for me that one of the biggest illustrations of this is like one 
little um, moment, which I actually took a picture of as I was rereading the comic because I was like, I love this moment. And they changed the total, the tenor of it totally in the show. And it's when they go to the movies with Nick's friends and Harry is being such a dick afterwards. And it's like, you know, asking Charlie what it's like to be gay and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, Oh, do you have a, do you have a crush on Nick? Do you think Nick's hot? And in the comic, it like is a, a still of Charlie. And you can tell he's totally got like a smirk on his face mm-hmm. and he goes he's being cheeky. He's being so cheeky. He's like, not really my type. And like Nick's face is kind of like, huh? Like, and, and actually I've always kind of read in the book, like Nick is little, he's the golden retriever. Like mm-hmm. he's the one that's a little bit more like, well, and here's what's upsetting about that scene yeah. uh, from comic to show is that in comic that the power belongs to Charlie in that moment. Yeah. And in the show, the power belongs to Harry in that yeah. moment. And that is just the, not what I want to see. Because in the show, Charlie's just like, he's not really my type. Like, and, he, yeah, uh, and he's, and he's practically just, running away, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Which is a valid reaction in itself, but it does, it takes a, a little yeah. bit away from him. I like, I want to see Charlie with yeah. the power. And like, he does get in the comic. He does go into his dad's car then and get upset too. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fair. Um, But yeah, he does have those moments in the comic where he's like good at standing up not just to Ben, which he does in the comic and the show, but like also to these other people around him, or at least being like subversive. And he's mm-hmm. also what I like about that moment in the comic is like he's picking his battles, right? He's just like, yeah. I'm not totally gonna like I'm just no, I'm not really gonna engage with you on that same level. And it, yeah, after the fact it does upset him. But yeah, so I feel like that was kind of a little bit of a like I said an upsetting like change to me upsetting sounds dramatic, but like a noticeable change to me. And also again, did feel like a little bit more of like an inversion of their characters. So they do feel like, and I, I, this is not a complaint, but like in the show or sorry, in the comic, Nick feels a little bit more like one note. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in the show, they expanded him so much. And then they did the reverse a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like one didn't have to come at the sacrifice of the other. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's still like adorable and I love it. Yeah. And like, I can, yeah. I can like both a, a lot still. Um, and I don't know how much of that was like a director's choice versus like Alice's, like how, mm-hmm. how he gave that line. And like, you know, I think maybe as Joe Locke continues to act, like maybe like, he'll bring some more of that depth in. and they're not ignorant of it. Um, again, I won't spoil anything, but there were definitely hints of some of Charlie's, um, underlying issues that'll come up later, um, that popped up. So like they're going there, like they're not, not going to give him the depth that he has on some of these things, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we kind of danced around them a little bit, but let's talk more about Tao and Al, which was like my favorite expansion of the show. And I knew this had to be where they were going, um, with them, but it was great to just get, to get more of them. Um, I loved that because they were, they are such a great, like side story in the comics, just like a Mm -hmm. background development that you just sort of see hints of. Um, It was really nice to kind of step away from being so deep in like the Charlie and Nick POV that you Mm -hmm. get to experience those other developing relationships a little bit. That was really nice. And like, I've always really admired Alice for her inclusion of Alan, this story and how, you know, she transfers and what it's like, you know, I've always wondered what it had been like for her. 
And so to see more of like what it is actually like for her to transfer to the girls school, make friends there, how it affects like her relationship with her core group of guy friends that she spent so much of her, her youth with, I just thought Mm -hmm. it was all really well done and so thoughtful and just, just a wonderful representation. I mean, like this, like, I don't know why this moment of like all the moments in the show really choked me up, but like when she went over to Tao's house and Tao's mom was like, Oh, I missed you. And she like hugs her. I was like, yes, it's just, I think a lot of things, particularly like right now with all this shit that's going on in our own country, like seeing stuff like this, like it's so important. And I just like, Oh, it just made me so emotional. Like this is what kids need. Like, Oh, I'm going to cry. And also what I really loved so much was Tao's mom being like, you guys leave that door open a little yeah. bit because yeah. that's an acknowledgement of yep. Elle as a woman. And as like, you know, we got to keep the, you know, if boys and girls are going to be in the yeah. same room, they have to leave their door open. It was such a subtle little nod to her yeah. um, acknowledging Elle for who she is, assuming that she had seen Elle for years now, you know, and she's just, yeah. it's like a seamless accepting and yeah. it's just really nice. It was just like, just a little subtle, loved that throwaway thing that I really liked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like, I, I have like no, no real notes other than just to say that I like really love them. I, mm-hmm. and again, and we talked about Tal already, like, I feel like, you know, the whole like friend who's like jealous slash like concerned can often be seen as like such an impediment. And I often get annoyed with those types of characters in the show, but I thought they like walked the line with him really well. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all the it was definitely not about. the most annoying thing about Tao. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to <laughs> save that for I saw yes. your worst adaption choice? Okay, yes. we'll get there. Um, but yeah, and like in a similar way, like they ex- expanded Tara and Darcy as well. Um, although I feel like we actually got more of them in the comic than we even did Tao and L. Um, but yeah, uh, it was just really great. Uh, to see them too and to see them embrace Ellen, be friends with her um, and see what it's like for them again at the girls' school. I do take issue again, as I said, I did go to an all girls school. Yeah. And um, at one point, Darcy says something like, all girls schools are stupid or like, we shouldn't have them. And I was like, my all girls school experience was very pivotal to who I am as a person. But like, I'm glad I was away from all those like toxic boys. <laughs> like, yeah, ultimately. Um, but other than that, that's a, a personal minor uh, quibble. That's definitely a quibble. Um, but no, it was great to see them. And it was great to see like them in that room where they had their first kiss again, which is like a bonus add on mm-hmm. to one of the, um, the print version, the print volumes. Uh, so yeah, nice I like the like expansion on that, make it canon, mm-hmm. um, in the, in that way. So, you know, I, I really liked them. I think we have to talk then cause like, uh, about like our new character editions, um, first of whom is Isaac. So in the comic, the like fourth person in their like friend quad, it's not Isaac, it's a character named Aled. And Alice posted after the Kansas City announcement that she was not going to put Alan in the show because he has his own book called Radio Silence, which she was like, I can't do his story justice like in this in the in the show in the way that I want to do. So I'm going to make Isaac instead. And she's like, Isaac has more 
story ahead of him. I have like plans for him. Um, but ultimately what he was in this season it was just like a lovely presence. I'm really curious to see what she has in plan for Isaac then. Um, I love, I just have in my notes that like the fact that he's such a non-entity in this show, but he's also the most relatable character because he's just like hanging out in the background, minding his business, yes. reading really good books. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really um, laughed aloud when he like cleared off the um, board game that they were playing. He was just like, oops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also liked, I thought it was really nice Easter egg when they go bowling. He has one of Alice's books and I looked up after the fact, I'm like, which one did he have? And he had radio silence, which is Alice, which I thought that that was a nice um, nod to like the character he could have replaced. Um, Yeah, no, I'm totally excited to see more from him. I thought it was, uh, it was great. I liked like when he kind of like caught Nick and Charlie and he's just like, (laughs) like, okay, (laughs) fine. Like everyone needs a friend. Yeah. Uh, Like Isaac. So, yeah. Um, very much stays in his lane. Yes. Let's talk about Imogen. Who's our other new character because Alice posted in her stories. Like, it's really interesting how like, none of you guys like Imogen. Like I love Imogen. And it's like, I had that moment too, where I'm like, I don't like where this is going, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, a, I feel like that's just like, Again, like maybe my internalized misogyny showing like, no, like this girl, how dare she be so desperate for this guy? But mm-hmm. it's like, wasn't I like that as a teenager? Right. I that was my only moment where I kind of side eyed her a little bit was when I mean, I felt sorry for her up until then. But that moment in the cafeteria at the girls yeah. school when she was like, I'm an ally. And I was yeah. like, oh. but, yeah. you know, also like whomst among us has not been a dumb teenager that is, you know, still figuring out what that means for them, what that allyship. I mean, she, and she ends up being really good about the Nick thing. And so, you know what? She's, she's good. And I like to think that part of my like original, like hesitancy towards her was like, in part, because I just assumed it was like going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But they didn't like really make her a problem. It actually ended up being like a really nice moment for Nick to have like a friend mm-hmm. and someone to confide in to be like, I don't yeah. like these people. And she's yeah. kind of like, I don't know that I do either. And so I really I liked her moment where she was like, oh, he's not good enough for me or whatever it was that she oh, said about it so Nick. It was, nice. it was great. I it was it. so nice. And like, honestly, man, I wish I had a level of emotional maturity when I was a teenager because honestly. I tell you what, well, I mean, like this is why Heartstopper needs to exist when we were growing up for many mm-hmm. reasons, but like my high school boyfriend ended up coming out later when we were in college. Great. Fine. Like, and I, that was not why we broke up, but like he, that he yeah. did not tell me he was not out. Um, and like the way I handled like the breakup and things around it, like I was 17, 18, <laughs> I was dumb. So like, you know, the fact that this is at such, we've got a show that maybe could have encouraged boyfriend back in the day to like embrace who he was uh, sooner. And we have like emotional mature decisions and like friendship from a girl who like didn't get the boy she wanted. Like it's all like really good things ultimately. Yeah. For us to have. I, I probably wouldn't have taken that with such grace. Yeah. No. Yeah, no at fucking 16 no. or 15 years I old. That she's supposed to be right there. Absolutely not. I definitely would not have. And like, yeah, it is hard when you have like roadblocks thrown up in front of your favorite ship, but like, she wasn't really a roadblock. Um, she kind of like filled the role that 
um, Tara plays in the comic where like Tara comes out in the show earlier. So like there's not a question of whether she and Nick are going to get together at the party um, in the same way. So they kind of had to like fill that in to kind of like mm-hmm. plant that doubt in Charlie's mind. And like it was fine. It ended yeah. up being okay. Justice for Imogen. I will say I do not care for her, her skunk hair. um i'm just going to put that out there and like the little pigtails but like Mm -hmm. again i'm you know 20 years older than these children so like (laughs) who am i to say what is do not flash back to us at that age wearing like pink lip gloss and bright blue eyeshadow right together totally and what i what i actually did really like about this show um this is another thought i'm stealing from friend of the pod jesse which is like they all kind of look like a mess like none of them like are dressed super professionally. Maybe Al is the exception to that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that she's just so statuesque and gorgeous. Like she would look right. great in anything, but like, they all just kind of like are wearing like a hodgepodge of clothes, which honestly was my experience growing up, going to Catholic schools and wearing a uniform until I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything about how to dress myself. And like, I felt like that was what the vibe was for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Cause it's real. Yeah. Um, so any other things we want to talk about the show? Oh, let's talk mm. about like how they use like the art of the comics. Yeah. I think we feel kind of differently. I wanted more personally. Yeah. I thought there was room for them to put more like in the transition scenes, like more than just the lease. I kind of wanted mm. more like, or like I envisioned in my mind, like, some sort of like still not of, of Nick and Charlie, but like of the classroom and something that maybe would like come to life or something. I just thought they would like reference the fact that this was a graphic novel more than they did. Okay. So So I can get behind that because I think maybe a more effective use. I think what I was getting at is really, it's not the, the use of the animation period. I think it was just like an ineffective kind of use of it at times. There were some scenes where it was just used to beautiful effects and I really loved it, but there were times that it was, it felt like it was just kind of thrown in to be like, Hey, we were a comic yeah. that it didn't feel very effective to me. No, yeah. I think if it had been used more intentionally, like for specific scenes for specific reasons, or like you said, as transitions, I think that would have been great yeah. if it had been used mostly even in, in like the, the, the open of every episode would have been great. Like I just yeah, liked something cool. more intentional with the yeah. use rather than they're kissing. So there's leaves around them. Yeah. I thought that at a certain point got a little hokey. Yeah. I think we, you and I like are fans of the comic, but not like obsessives, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not really meant for us. Um, but like, right. I do think like people really like grasp to the leaves as a theme. Mm-hmm. of like the show um so like i see how it probably would work a lot for a lot of people and I, I i don't think you're wrong i think i know my moments of issues with the show and i feel like bad about it because like the show has like promoted like the playlist lots and stuff too the music did not work for me um in a lot of ways in the show i'm not a music person as you know um it felt just a little bit too like the vibe was kind of off it was mm-hmm. a little like too cheery a lot of the time. It's not that this is like a dark, gritty show, but I felt like it was just like, I don't know, something about it felt weird to me. 
it sort of lent like a sense of artifice to it that you don't really yeah. want when, when, and that's kind of what I felt about a little bit of some of the other stuff in the show. Not, it's not even like a whole, let me try to gather these thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I really love the joyful queer story thing that the comic has. I really love that. I love that it's super charming. It is a little bit twee, but in a way that I really embrace. And then the show, it felt like they took it just a little, like a tiny step further Yeah, that maybe had it cross a line a little bit for me, um, just because I have just maybe in general, a lower tolerance for that stuff. And maybe just like I said, like my mental space right now is, um, in a cynical place. And that kind of stuff maybe is just not hitting me right at the moment, but I, I enjoy it better in the comic than I do in the show. Um, not to say that I disliked, I mean, you know, as, as I've been saying, I really enjoyed the show. Um, and I, and I can enjoy twee, but, um, I thought it felt a little bit too smiley sometimes. And it was missing just a little bit of the bite that the comic had from more, natural that I felt, um, like teen language. Like if, if like, and I understand not wanting to throw F-bombs in your teen show because you want teens to be able to watch it because this is for them. This is not for me. Um, so I understand the the decision, but I felt like a little bit of that bite, just a little bit of that bite from the comic could have toned down that tweeness a little bit to make it a little less saccharine. Yeah. For me, but like, you know, I, well, I was really like surprised when I reread it because again, like we're so far along in the comic now and like shit's getting real. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised to like go back and like find how, again, like I think the word tweet is a good one, like just to describe just like a little like more cutesier than I thought it, that I remembered yeah. it being it's very whimsical. It's very whimsical. It's very like. Uh, it's just, it's very charming. And like, that's part mm-hmm. of what is great about it, but it gets a little darker. So then it kind of did feel weird to go back to and be like, oh, look at these babies. Like they're just, they're <laughs> yeah. just such babies. It's so shiny. Yeah. yeah. It is so shiny. And like, I, yeah, I don't disagree with you that I felt like for me, it was more like things like the music, like took me out of it and made it feel like mm-hmm. we're like, they're being so cute and poppy yeah. and like, yeah. look at us go. Um, and I felt like that was like more of, of, like potentially like the tone of it felt a little bit more just off and it felt just it felt what's the word discordant discordant toward felt discordant when we have like these very when they did add more depth to um like Nick's character and like some of his struggles and like just really emotionally like wrought scenes that were really impressive and then it was just kind of like no 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 yeah here we are (laughs) so like exactly um I I definitely like feel like I, I see that too. I do feel like on one of the things I love so much about the comic zone, again, we keep saying this is not meant for us. And like, I feel like the show is the same way too, is it just really captures youth so well, so much better Mm -hmm. than so many other properties that we've even discussed on this show. Um, like for instance, love Simon, which I think, you know, like sometimes has the same problem where it feels so I think we talked cutter. about it in our episode too, is that like there was much deeper shit in the book than there yeah. was in the movie and the movie yeah. kind of made everything so plastic, like everything yeah. just seems a little plasticine and, yeah. and so artificial and so like home, you know, or, or movie of the week, Hallmark yeah. kind of stuff yeah. that you're like, oh, this is like a little sanitized. Like we don't yeah. need, 
yeah. these queer stories to be so sanitized to make them right. palatable, yeah. palatable for wider audiences. Yeah. And I don't feel like this show. I don't feel like that. Does I don't feel that. Like that as yeah. As, yes. Yeah. But I can see how like certain elements of it, like veer Hinted towards that. At that yeah. But I don't think that that is the case at all. And actually like the even worse and more egregious like example of it to me was um, Love, Victor. Mm-hmm. This spinoff show, which the first season that was meant to be on the Disney Channel, so it was like super, super sanitized, and then like the se- then it controversially got moved to Hulu, um, and then season two, knowing that they were going to Hulu, they were like, "Fuck you, fuck this, like blah blah blah, <laughs> sexual content, yeah. like let's do it," um, and which also felt like wrong. And so, yeah. I f- what I think is so special about Hearts Tapper, and I think the show ultimately did achieve in the same way the comic does, is just like these kids are kids yeah. and like, that's like the best part in, in such. And I think it's because Alice was so young when she was writing this herself, like it was she it, like 17 years yeah, old she was or like something really young. Um, she just like, they feel like kids, like how they talk, how they text when they're like, I think mm-hmm. sentences like, ha ha, like they're just, they're so unsure of themselves. You know, there's a moment where like in the show, Charlie is like, uh, does Nick like ask him? I don't forget where Nick asked him to go go movies with his friends. He's like, I'm screaming right now. Oh my god! And really, he's just like laying in the bed, like yeah. dead. To me, <laughs> I'm like, I love that. Like, it just it feels so real and so genuine. And um, I think it's right to want to retain that and not have yeah. it veer like toward some of these other properties. And I think that there's couple elements that we kind of identify that like make it veer that way a little bit, but ultimately I think it teensy bit, honestly, it that way. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it was enough for me to notice, but not enough for me to be like yeah. annoyed by necessarily. Yeah. Like it was maybe just a few degrees more saccharine than yeah. my like absolutely ideal version of the show, yeah. would be, which, you know, <laughs> I did see a meme that was like, um, the trauma, the therapy, and the picture under the trauma was young royals, and then the therapy was hard. <laughs> and I was like, accurate. I mean, like when I really stopped to think about two like shows about young young queer adults, those are my favorite two in mm-hmm. recent memory, and I think they both show realistically what it's like to be a teen in different ways. Like they feel yeah. totally different, but like. Oh, just really good. I'm um, speaking of just today as we were recording, like the cast, um, the cast of the two shows we're, we're talking on, on Twitter. And it made my heart sing together. Let me read this exchange. Hold on. Um, if you don't know young Royals, everyone, and you liked Heartstopper, go watch young Royals. I'm um, a little bit more like queer drama, obviously as yeah. hinted by my love when I explain memes on the show also <laughs> just like really what um you want to see um so you're all here for it yes oh gosh and i'm gonna space on the names um whatever um omar Rudberg, <laughs> who's one of the leads of young royals tweeted i'm not a heartbreaker anymore i'm a heart stopper and joe Locke responded joe Locke, who plays charlie responded can i join and omar goes yes and then um Edwin Riding, who plays the prince in Young Royal, says, I'm in as well. And then Joe Locke tagged in Kit Connor saying, You joining? And Kit just goes, Do you even need to ask? Oh, stop <laughs> it. Like, all my babies. All my babies. So cute. Together. Oh, stop um, it. So, anyway, go watch both these shows. Again. Yeah. So, oh, and I, I, I want to keep... rewatch Young Royals now. Ah, oh, so good. I need to like throw a heart stopper on in the background to make sure like they're, um, 
ratings stay. Oh yeah, yeah. Up because we need season two. We need. God, there's so much. The there's so much more. I know. All right, let's talk about some superlatives here. Yeah, let's do it. Excellent, excellent. All right, favorite quote. <laughs> this is one where we're like, it's hard because there's no quotes in the comic, and these yeah. are just. Um, I think these are all in both, right? I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. So, um, you go first. You have two. All right. Um, my first one is just when Tori knocks on Charlie's door when Charlie and Nick have been making out and he goes and answers. He's just like, ah, what do you want? And, um, she's there to like get something or give him something. I don't know. But as she's walking away, she's like, she looks back at uh, Nick and she's just like, well done. And (laughs) I love it. It's iconic. Tori iconic. We love her. Yeah. Um, I like this at the beach. Um, which is Nick Saint Charlie. I love liking you, which is just like such a good, um, like team representation Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Just, just good. And then I have, I'm just so sorry. I ran away. I was just freaking out. Like, honestly, I'm having a proper full on gay crisis always. Uh Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) join the club, bud. Um, Among us. Why why have I said that like five times today? Um, actually I have another favorite line to add because in the show, in the last episode, I was very nervous. We weren't going to get it. And I was like, you do not have Olivia Coleman here and not give her this line. Um, we'll talk about <laughs> Olivia Coleman in a second, but it's like when Nick's like, um, it's called bisexuality. I don't know if you've heard about it. And she's like, I wasn't born in the 18th century. <laughs> what bisexuality is. <laughs> and it's, I love it. So it makes me laugh in the book every time I read that part. So um character and arc again it's kind of hard because we know more about these characters outside but i just for the reason both of us yeah nick yeah just for like all the reasons we talked about like it's this is his season and him um coming out and um yeah and he just has the most well-defined arc yeah he was just like and i think because like it was an expansion of the character again that was like really impressive to me and i, I can't state enough how um impressed i was with kate connor's acting like it's just really yeah. good um anyway favorite swoon moments i have we both have two okay um wait mine uh first one i like a lot is the snow day just generally it's just really sweet and i really liked how they p- captured on the show and then piggyback off that is Nick giving Charlie a frame picture from that day. It's really nice. A little homemade frame. Yeah, picture. it's cute. Very sweet. Um, I have when Nick flipped Charlie uh, during the makeout when they're making out on Charlie's floor, like Nick's got moves. Uh, yeah. Again, well done. Yeah. Well done, sir. Well done, sir. And like one of the things I like in the comic, there's a very big like height and size difference between Nick and Charlie. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite the same like height difference here, but like you can tell that like Nick is like stocky. sturdy boy. Like, he's got like he's got the muscles to like throw Charlie mm-hmm. around a little bit. So we like that. Um this is a, a, sh- a moment in the comic that certainly like strikes you, but like seeing it on screen, I was like, oh, this is really romantic. Is Nick showing up in the rain? after the kiss and he like runs out of the party and he like shows up the next day and um at charlie's house and it's just it's great because it like you know in a lot of properties they would like really kind of like make 
Nick's hand wringing about like his sexuality be like very like insulated and like lash out at Charlie because of it. And like, mm-hmm. even though he's still so confused, like he knows he has to go to him and it's like he's in always the rain, reassuring so. Charlie and it's yeah, so nice. It is very nice. I do have another one, but I did want to throw another one in that I uh, just remembered, which was show only um, the kiss between Tara and Darcy at um, Harry's party, which just, I mean, aside from them having like, I think probably their first really public kiss with each other, um, Mm. it was a gorgeously shot sequence. Like just like it, it literally brought a tear to my eye. It was beautifully shot. It was just a beautiful composition all around. I do think like the camera work in this show is so, yeah. so good. It was yeah. really well shot. That scene in particular was just stunning. Beautiful. Like it took yeah, my breath away. Um, yeah. So there's, there is that, that I wanted yeah. to shout out. And, yeah. uh, and then my last one is the photo booth moment, uh, 15 out of 10 for cuteness. Yeah, so cute. Ugh. That did remind me too. Like, I know it's kind of like skirted over Tara, but I did like her whole, kind of conflicted feelings about being out and like how hard it is. And like that moment she has not with Darcy where she kind of like reassures her at the end is, is really nice. And like, it is like a nice arc for her um, from mm-hmm. that moment, which seems like such a high where they kiss and they're out and it's great. And then it's like, uh, there's still some issues here. Um, yeah. That was, um, I thought really well done. Um, best and worst adaptation choice. Let's go with a worst first. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. My worst was the inclusion of sports day because that's like my living nightmare. Yeah. No, I don't want that. And also when I was watching it, I'll have to go back and rewatch the finale, which I haven't had a chance to do yet. But like while I was watching it, I was like, are they going to come out here at this event, like, no, they need to go to the beach. Like I want all of these other things to happen. And like the fact that everyone was so into it was like kind of odd to me. It was like, I'm like, I'm team Tao. I don't want to sign up for anything. I don't want anything to do with this day. Um, so I just like, it didn't, it was like kind of nice, but I didn't feel like it was a necessary addition. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, my worst is Tao's hair. I just, (laughs) I want to know why I have questions. I need them answered. These are not rhetorical <laughs> questions. Somebody needs to tell me why they okay. did that to like, this boy who is just cute as a button. He's so cute. If you um, see his Instagram, he so looks like a cute. model. He's just very cute, very yeah. cute, attractive boy. Uh, to do that to him, <laughs> who, who who did this? Who, who did he hurt? Um, <laughs> that, they, that they wanted to do this to him. I, I have a lot of questions. I. This, there were so many scenes where I was just like trying to be involved, but I just kept picturing scissors, just like snipping those uh, two locks that came out of his beanie. I just, I don't yeah. like it. I think also what I was particularly sensitive to is I got my hair cut about a month ago and I told the girl that like, she was new to me. Um, I told her that I like normally cut like my face framing pieces like around chin length, except she cut them like shorter than chin length. Mm -hmm. And I, my hair is very fine and also has a natural like bit of wave to it. So like 
ultimately, if it's humid, if it's rainy or something, my hair is going to start to like flip out, especially short pieces. And so like literally my hair right now, like these pieces, they're, they're growing, but like oh, there is, there yeah. is a, a time where they start flipping out like towels. Oh no. And I'm like, oh my, oh, my God, see this it. is what okay. I look like. I know I'm showing oh, my God. right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, look at I am just- Is this the video that we're going to post on this <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> look at me. I know I can see it. I'm hideous and so is Tao's haircut. <laughs> uh yeah. Crimes against hair have been committed uh, not for you for Tao. Uh, crimes against hair. Getting... And against that pretty face. Like, come on. Come on. Oh, what are you what are you doing that for? Is it to make him believably like on the fringes yeah. of like the social yeah. hierarchy of high school, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, it's the only answer I can think of. Yeah. Um, we both have listed as <laughs> best adaptation choice, the inclusion of Olivia Coleman in the show. Like what the hell? What I texted like? Corinne. I was like, who did she owe a favor to <laughs> that she was on this random show? Yeah. Like apparently there might be some sort of connection or something to someone involved. Yeah. I have no idea. All I know is I was I'm very happy. grateful for yeah, it. I just, I can, in all my texts to Deja about it, I didn't just keep calling her Olivia Coleman. I said, Oscar winner, Olivia Coleman. And like <laughs> Oscar winner was capitalized like her name because I was like, mm-hmm. why is she show but again, I just I, I, I was not it. expecting that at all but well, I'm happy for it she perfectly embodies what I need Nick's mom to be which is just a warm presence mm-hmm. like if I saw Olivia Coleman in real life I would like to do two things with her one I would like to get drunk with her because I think it'd be very fun but also mm-hmm. I would just like to hug her and I feel like she would give a very good hug and like that's what Nick needed and she knows what bisexuality is so like all in all no, no, it's perfect performance. Bucket and I mean for Olivia Coleman. <laughs> Bucket um, list, get drunk with Olivia Coleman. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but like I have a substantive one too. And I think for me, it was like the expansion, particularly of like Nick and his friend group and like why that was hard to break from. Yeah. Which I talked about. Mine is the expansion of uh, the Tau and L relationship development or flirtationship or whatever they have so far yeah look at us short episode look at this go we're so professional we are totes professional (laughs) Tejo, would you like to announce what we are doing next time yes um so next episode we will be covering we'll be returning to aurelia to uh, continue on our Throne of Glass journey with Tower of Dawn by Sarah J. Mass with a very special guest returning Jesse. Yeah. Returning Jesse. Is- returning Jesse. <laughs> returning <laughs> Jesse. Heard it here first, <laughs> friends. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. You, you know, my nerdy brain just went like, is where Cal is in Tower of Dawn still Aurelia? Like, is Aurelia the world? Like, or is it the continent? See, not the southern continent. Yeah. So I um, don't know. No, He's that's somewhere. That's so fair. I don't know if we're going to Aurelia. We're going somewhere. We're going to go see Cal, who's not in Adelon or Terrison anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're approaching the end of our Throne of Glass journey. And though, even though we're doing that next week, we do have definitive plans, friends. Or after that covering a non-throne of glass book before we wrap up that coverage. So stay tuned for announcement on that. 
In the meantime, Tasia, where can our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Rachel Cakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rain underscore reads. You can find the podcast on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Act Age. You can choose an email if you'd like at actyagepod at gmail.com. And as always, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that. Thanks so much for listening. Go rewatch Heartstopper. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.